a new year, a brand new day. Nothing but positivity allowed inside my day. Nothing but blessings, health, wealth, and love. And the creative spark to express all of the above. I'm talking no limits. See, the stacks I've already spent it, and the life I've already lived it. The dreams, they are just beginning. I mean, no limits. Prosperity through our retirement. Humanity saving the environment. The highest level of the flyest shit, yeah. Hey, y'all. You are listening to another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl, where we discuss all things concerning self-development and bettering our spirit, but from the homie perspective. Somebody that's going through the journey day by day, just like you. Hey y'all, it's your girl Maria, the Spiritual Homegirl, and we are back with another episode of the Spiritual Homegirl podcast. I'm super excited about this week's guest. He's a friend of mine, but some of you guys may know him as Curtis J. Williams, otherwise known as Curtis J. He's a mentor, he's a philanthropist, he's an astute entrepreneur with over 10 years experience. I can personally vouch for that because I've seen him do this back in college, over 10 years experience. Um, We both went to Georgia Southern University. He graduated in 2010 with two degrees. And at this university, he was introduced to the world of entertainment. He grew a small entertainment company to a holding company for music and branding entities today named HHE Holdings. Now, for the past four years, he was able to merge another passion of his, which was financial literacy and wealth building and other forms of education in the financial realm. He has a few education centers in multiple states across the United States, and he is definitely somebody that's a good example of merging passions and being able to move happily and fulfilled within that. So from music executive to financial professional, he's definitely a man on a mission and one to have in your corner when it comes to music and finances. So with that being said, y'all, enjoy the interview. Kurt, how you doing? Amazing. I am glad to hear. Now, I wanted to talk about um, activating your inner uh, businessman or businesswoman. Um, past few episodes, we talked about activating your inner creator, activating your inner hustler um, in terms of, you know, passion to paycheck and in terms of wellness. And I wanted to discuss with you your journey and how you ended up finding your passion for business early in life, as well as finding um, a way to, to move within your purpose at an early age. If I remember correctly, didn't you start off doing business at what, 13? Around that time? Correct. Yeah, about around that age, 13, 14. What did you do? So, man, that's crazy. Uh, can I give a backstory real quick? Of course. Okay, awesome. So, really with me, uh, my story is kind of different, a little funny as well. So, my business you know, career started around, like I said, 13 or 14. So, what happened was is that uh, I have military parents, and if you ever had military parents, you know they can kind of be hard on their on their children. So especially my dad, and so you know growing up, you typically you know receive funding and receive money from your parents, right? So anything you wanted from the toys, from the video games, the game systems, you know you really didn't value money. You always asked for it, and you pretty much received it, like at Christmas or birthdays. So it got to a point though where you know they had Nintendo 64s out and everything, and I love playing video games. And it came out with the, uh, I think it was that, like the GameCube. And man, I wanted the GameCube so bad. And it was like $200. So I told, you know, told my dad, like, you know what? I want this GameCube. I told my mom, I want this GameCube. My mom was like, well, ask your dad. So I asked my dad, you know, military guy and everything. He's like, no. I was like, well, why not? No. He kept saying no. I'm like, well, when you get your own money, you can buy whatever you want. Well, my money, I'm not buying it. And so really like a light bulb went off because I realized I didn't like hearing the word no. And so I said to myself like, okay, well I don't work, so how can I have some money to buy this GameCube? And so I thought about it. Okay, every time I receive money is always what? During Christmas or during uh, my birthday. So I'm like, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna save up my, bu- my birthday money and save up my Christmas money. But I realized that took too long. That took way too long. So I thought about it. I was in Target one day with my mom, and I seen these shaved ice machines. I don't know if you guys remember like making snow cones, things of that nature. Well, in Target, they had a shaved ice machine where he's like handheld. And so idea popped in my head. It was like, well, I can sell some icy cones to my friends. 
And so I told my mom, like, please buy me this and buy me the syrup with it, and I'll just work, and that's how I'm gonna make some money. And so she obliged and said, okay, great, I'll buy it. So she bought me a handheld shaved ice machine, and I had the syrup. So the thing else I needed was the ice. And so what I did was I asked her every weekend and say, hey, can you take me to the park? Can you take me to your corporate um, retreats? Do you have anybody else friends having corporate events? So every single weekend, she would take me out to the park, to the YMCA, to the Boys and Girls Club, and I was set up with my bag of ice, my syrup, my little cups, and my hand ice machine, and I would be out there churning. Like, I had to literally turn, turn this handheld thing to shave this ice. And so, <laughs> and so I was out there sweating, and, but I was selling for 50 cents a cup. And so over time, I valued hard work. And then a lot of parents and you know other friends, parents, they would give me more than the 50 cents because they see how hard I was working. So I realized like, okay, the harder I work, the more money I can make. And so from that time, I look up, I saved $700. And so now mom's like, okay, great. Now you can go buy your GameCube. And once I had the money, I started thinking about the value of money. Like, well, am I gonna spend $200 of my $700 on a game? It's like now I didn't want to play games anymore. So that's how my journey kind of started. That's a cool story. It kind of reminds me of when I was seven. I was, um, you know, back in the day, I used to go to people's houses and buy like the little freeze pops. Okay. And there was a girl, well, a woman. Um, candy Lady. Yeah. And the Candy Lady sell freeze pops, but she sold them for, I think they were 50 cents a pop. Mm -hmm. So I undercut her and sold them for 30 cents a pop. <laughs> But I was so mad that I had to spend my money to reinvest in the business. I was like, I ain't trying to do this for too much longer. Right, right. So then I started selling like, troll dolls at garage sales. So I feel you when That's it comes fun. to like wanting something. Then you're kind of like, well, I don't want the Nintendo. This is like you know mm -hmm. before GameCube. It was like you know I think it was a Super Nintendo I wanted. Okay. So I was kind of like, I don't want the Super Nintendo no more. I just want to go to um, what was the name of it? It was like a record store and just spend money on tapes. You know, oh, I like man. music. So okay. I, I was like, well, I'll just spend all my money on music. So. Which is funny because you deal with music too. Correct. But before we go into the present day, because you do a lot. So that was 13-year-old Kurt. How did Kurt end up transitioning his um, his business sense into other arenas? Because I met you when you were in college and you were throwing parties and you had an entertainment mm -hmm. company. Correct. Correct? Correct. So how did you get from slanging snow cones to throwing parties? Okay. So my journey, so after snow cones, um, it progressed to saying, like, hey, I love I love receiving money, so how can I get more money? And so with my parents being military, again, we had opportunity to travel the world. And so I actually went overseas and lived overseas. Um, a lot of time I spent in Korea, in okay. Seoul, Korea. So in Seoul, Korea, you know, that's where a lot of our materials and items come from. And so I learned how to negotiate, and I'm looking at, you know, things back in the day, it was like throwback jerseys were really popular and things of that nature. So over there, they cost literally about and their money about five to ten dollars but it will sell over here in the u.s for like 150 200 dollars and so that's why i started valuing like cloth and material i'm like wait a minute you know they're selling this all this high price item but over here is super super cheap and so when i came back to the states um i also had access to the internet early because my dad was in the military he was in the communications department so i learned about computers and the internet uh a little earlier so now i still had those same uh, through my mom, I'm like, hey, remember that person over there that made the clothes? We used to call them, like, hey, how did she, how did she? So we had those connections with manufacturers and distributors. And so I started a wholesale and drop shipping company because now this was in high school. So I was basically supplying anything that people needed at a cheaper price. So I was getting shipped over from overseas. Like, uh, I always loved music um, because at the same time, hey, hopefully nobody come after me, but you know, pirating music was getting kind of popular with Napster and things of that nature. Well, with me being access to communication and internet, I had access to what's called like SRC banks and things of that nature were pretty much like underground arenas where I can get full albums. So I was already burning CDs already for music. And then I was supplying the DJs in my area with their turntable needles because I would get them super cheap coming from overseas. And then they'll ask me for more stuff like, well, hey, can you get in-dash DVD players? I'm like, why, yes, I can. You're talking about the car? Yes, for the car. So I started shipping those over. And then people started asking about clothes. So I started shipping clothes over. 
But my biggest uh, actual seller was watches. Only if you remember, uh, it was called Jacob and Company. It was like the colorful watches, yeah, and the bling bling. Yep. So I had all those being shipped over, and I was selling them in school to anybody that needed some. So really, that's what happened with there. And I got a couple contracts and some stores to supply novelty items. So I came with some money at a young age on a business in high school. And so, though, however, I've been my only person in my family to graduate with a college degree, so I wanted to go to college. And so, once I graduated, I chose Georgia Southern University because it wasn't too far. And so, when I went there, the first day I was there, I met my current business partner today. Uh, his name is Elliston, what they call him, DJ Genius. First day there, I met him. He told me he's a DJ from Jamaica. I'm like, okay, whatever. But I, we clicked because we both love music. And at the same time, I lost my contracts back in Augusta because I wouldn't be there to pretty much do it. So I said to myself, like, well, what's next for me? What's the next step? Because I definitely want to graduate college. And so, after hanging out a couple times, going to some parties and events down at Georgia Southern, you know, uh, Genius came to me and said, man, I want to I wanna throw my own parties. I want to be the DJ. We can do better parties. I want to throw these big parties and big events. So he had this grand vision. I didn't know anything about the entertainment world like that. But I said to myself, you know what? I don't know anything about that, but I can handle the money. And so we formed a partnership, and I never realized, like, I went in the high school, I went out every single weekend. I didn't realize I was paying $7, $10, $7, $10. That's a lot of money I was spending every single weekend. So imagine that times 12. You know, imagine that times 200 people times 12. I'm like, wow. And so that's why we had that vision. We put it all together. He had the vision, I had the business. So it merged. And man, we created an entertainment company and we met with some opposition, but we trying to do anything great, you're going to have opposition. Uh, that's how you know you're on the right track, right path. But it allowed us to be stronger. You know, it kept us sharp. Uh, man, we went to some adversity, but we overcame it and, you know, we established a lot, man. We had an amazing time. We broke a lot of barriers, did things that were never done before. We brought in major acts that people know now. We did major theater events. Um, we brought in different schools to, you know, let people know that, hey, Georgia Southern is the premier party and event central. We even also, you know, still focus on distribution because, see, in my mind, I have a distribution mind. So when people say, like, hey, you guys are the top company in Statesboro, Georgia, well, in my mind, I'm thinking that why can't we be the top um, company across the southeast? And so when me still thinking about distribution, uh, I said, hey, well, we had these other schools. You have like a Fort Valley. You have like a, um, a Kennesaw State. You have like all these other smaller schools. But what we did was we already had the blueprint. So we said, hey, we understand that people work harder for themselves than they ever work for anyone else. So we reached out to those promoters in those cities who were doing well and let them know like, hey, you come within our fold, within our empire, we'll give you, you know, some tools, some added backing, some infrastructure as well but you still keep your own name. We just take a percentage, and therefore we can all win bigger. And so we have five entities at different schools that agreed, so now we formed an entertainment empire. Yes, we run an own company at Georgia Southern, and our clients and fan base knew us there, but they didn't know we had ties to all these other schools as well. I didn't know that. Yeah, and so from there, we created what? Distribution. So now when we brought artists, we got them for a cheaper price, because now instead of bringing an artist one time to one school, we said, hey, we're gonna bring you to five. So now we took artists on tour runs, boom, boom, at the same time because that's distribution. Now I went ahead and I got contracts because I knew about sponsorships to get big sponsors. So we had liquor companies, we had uh, even powder companies because now we're telling them, hey, you guys, we have a distribution um, model right now where we can touch individuals from 18 to 28, over 100,000 students between this, these cities. So they're looking like, okay, great. So now we had them paying us by quarter, quarterly to you know distribute their products and things of that nature. So it was big on us because what? Everybody likes free stuff. And we just had our party saying, hey, here's some free stuff. Like, yeah. whatever, who cares? And so, uh, so that's how we're able to bring in bigger artists, being at a smaller school. So people are asking, like, where you get this money from? We're like, oh, we're just throwing parties. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's, I didn't know it was a, a network. I knew you right. were doing your own thing, like promoting and things like that. It was mm. dabbling in music, but I didn't know it was a... Right, right. And for the record, what's the name of the promotion or the, the empire that you guys built? Okay, so actually, uh, we, we were kind of rough back in the day, but so street name was called Hustle Hard Entertainment because that's what we felt like, as though we had to do to come up, Hustle Hard Entertainment. However, it's trans it was the business 
actual business name was HHE Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Correct, correct. I did not know. A lot, I, a lot of people don't know. I really, I mean, I knew, I mean, I knew it was something y'all was doing because, or something you were doing, because I remember you being on campus with a band. Remember you being, what, 18, 19? Okay. No, you were 17. 17 right, right. on campus, right? Making mistakes. <laughs> so I was like, I know he, he bought it in some way, but I know with y'all being like super young and, you know, fresh, y'all were freshmen starting correct. HIG, right? Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was kind of cool. And then y'all y'all were consistent the entire, what, four? four yeah. You were there for four years. Four right? years. Yeah, y'all never folded. So I, I knew that was something that, you know, was, was to be reckoned with. So, so what did that's you, how it led me to music. I see. I okay. always wondered. I was like, how did you get into music? But it seems like you were already in music right. previously. Right. You're in, I love music previously and then went into the entertainment understanding what moves people so and then I'm still dealing with the artists and their managers because I'm booking them yeah and so what happened was when we transitioned from school we moved up here to Atlanta Georgia because mm-hmm. you know Atlanta is like the big entertainment mecca yeah and so also at the same time we came up here we met with adversity a little bit as well um, which is noted of course nobody wants you to move in on that territory yeah. but also the economy hit us in the head because we were doing concerts by that time and so our concerts we were trying to do, we were losing money on, and no one wants to lose money. So we said, okay, Genius, you're a great DJ, you want to travel the world, let's create another distribution platform. So what did we do? We went ahead and said, hey, we're going to bring in multiple DJs that we've already been working with on doing parties, people that we know have been moving all together, and say, let's get them all together, let's work together. But we're going to not be just a DJ coalition, we're going to be a DJ distribution model wave right and so what that meant was we got all these guys boom 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 they'll be doing their thing so now we call it urban wise we call it mixtape monopoly because most people were receiving their music from what mixtapes at the time yeah i remember that and then we called it monopoly because we wanted to say thinking further um ahead in the future we want to monopolize every single avenue that music is disseminated um through so that includes what your radio host that includes your event host that includes your djs and things of nature and of course your online platforms so we went out and got radio hosts. We got a re- got radio DJs. We got uh, strip club DJs, college DJs, uh, and then also par- made partnerships with um, online distribution channels. So your live mixtapes, uh, your dat piffs, and, and things of that nature. So we had contracts with all these guys. So now we were able to do what? Provide distribution for those indie artists. And at the same time, if someone's bubbling and popping off, we can take them further along through our connections, you know, with different managers, A&Rs, labels, and things of that nature. So that pretty much flourished for us uh, here as well. And that's how I kind of started, like, oh, in the music. So we had a lot of success there from, you know, popping off a lot of artists. Made a lot of mistakes, too. Uh, but you learn from those mistakes. A lot of artists we should be getting a lot of <clears throat> credit for. You know, we didn't because our contracts weren't right. Yeah. But hey, that's a learning experience though. Um, got a lot of records placed, um, a lot of uh, recognition, a lot of plaques. I actually received my first personal uh, certified gold plaque as well. Okay, nice. uh, so man, that's, that's amazing. It's different from being, you know, having your DJ being a part of something, a record, helping spin it. They give you one that's like recognition, but to actually be a part of a record, put it, help put it together, and actually have it being received by the public where it's gold, that's an amazing feeling. Imagine. You know, so I got that done. So yeah, we still make a lot of strides. Uh, man, it's amazing touring the world. Uh, man, it's amazing. It's amazing. Another question I have is, I mean, how important is the um, the power of mentoring, and what mentors inspired you? Okay, so I take it way back to you know, <clears throat> we were coming up at Georgia Southern doing entertainment. So of course, me and Jeans had these big goals and dreams, and you know, we're young, ambitious. But at the same time, we needed help. And so, like I said, I'm big on mentorship. So I'm like, man, we need to figure out somebody who's older, who's been here, who knows the market, who knows what's going on, who knows the entertainment world, who can kind of help and guide us. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he actually found an individual, and I was introduced to him via him, and his name is uh, DJ Flux or, or Dion Baptiste. And so with uh, Flux, he was a known DJ in the area from like Statesboro to Savannah area. And I'm going to tell you a funny story, man. It was so funny. So he sat down with him like, yo, man, we want to do this and that. And he was just looking at us like some little kids. 
Like, cause think about it, he be doing his thing, DJing. He don't uh, rock with all the top per people there from the, cause radio used to be really big in Statesboro too. Yeah, I remember. So he was used to rock with all of them. Now he's in, you know, Savannah doing his thing. So he's looking at his like, y'all some young kids. Tom, I want to do entertainment. And if you don't know, the Statesboro Savannah area has a rich entertainment history. So a lot of the entertainment was really locked down by a couple crews. Yeah. And so he's like, y'all don't have any chance. But as he talked to us more, it's like, yo, we're going to put together this great meeting, big meeting. We're going to introduce everybody. So he's like, after a while, he kind of warmed up to us, you know, because he, he said he saw the passion. He was like, well, we're going to do it regardless, with or without you. <laughs> so he's like, okay, I can give you guys some direction because y'all going to need some help and whatnot. And so he finally decided to come on board. And so we threw our first big meeting, right, interest meeting and everything. We had, it was in, like, I think it's called like Johnson Hall. <laughs> we had all this. In Johnson? I think it was Johnson. One of them, either Johnson or Eagleville. It was one of them anyway. Uh, and so he showed up. <laughs> this man showed. We are not a little suit and like, not suit and tie, like little slacks, you know, regular <laughs> stuff, you know. He shows up in a tank top white beater <laughs> and some flip flops. <laughs> and, and, he, and he looked just like he rolled out of bed. And we're like, what in the world? We're about to introduce this man. He's like, going to be our mentor and everything. Been in the game. Big time DJ. And he shows up like this. We was like, oh, man. And then you should see how he walked. We were introducing everybody. We were talking about our big vision to everybody. And we said, yeah, this is Dion coming and talk to you guys. You're going to be one helping us out. And he walks up all slow. And he starts talking like, yeah, you know, you guys got to understand how this game works. You know, we'll do some good things. It was just so funny. And so if you know Dion, you know, he, and for a while, he always talked to us like kids. But now it's more like respect. Yeah. You know, so he definitely came in and played a major, major role. You know, kept us a lot of, out a lot of crazy stuff. And got us into some crazy stuff. But he kept us out a lot of crazy stuff. And, you know, he taught us a lot of lessons along the way. Yeah. You know, especially with the history of things and how things work. And uh, gave some insight on making sure we reach out, you know, to older individuals for that help. Uh, make sure how to control the crowds. Yeah. Uh, control the their environment. Know who's coming to your parties and make friends with them. Make sure you're friends with the dope boys in the cities and, you know, to make sure <laughs> yeah. they look out for you. So it's like, all right, cool, cool. So it gives a lot of insight to where we didn't have to go through those potholes. That's a good story. I can see Dion doing that. <laughs> I have to say this. You didn't mention this, and I'm not sure if it's because you was being humble, but weren't y'all the first people that brought Drake over here? Yes, yes. We gotta, we gotta talk about that. Yes, okay. go ahead. <laughs> Let's go here. Yeah, so we actually, uh, we were first to bring a lot of people, but of course Drake, um, we still have great relationships with him and his camp and, and CJ, shout out to CJ and everybody as well. So what I tell people, you know, it really comes down to your relationships, especially in the entertainment game and, and uh, um, music game and just in life, period. So I've always been been very um, high on, you know, relationships and, and valuing those relationships and checking in and, and cultivating them. And so what happened was, you know, with us being, you know, having an ear to the streets and things that was going on, we always want to be innovative. And so we knew about Drake. And it was like, well, you know what would be amazing? We should bring Drake down to Georgia Southern. I Bring him to Georgia. That would be amazing. He had never been to Georgia before, let alone a major institution like a Georgia Southern University. And so because, though, we've been putting in the work and developing the team to be able to host theater events and concerts while still in college, that gave us the clout and the backing, you know, to give them his team confidence and say, hey, we can pull off this concert. And so we went back and forth in negotiations, um, really cool people, cool guys. And also at the same time, uh, people don't know, but we had a mutual, uh, I guess I would say, connection through his managers because his managers is, is part of our fraternity. What fraternity is that? Uh, that's Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. And so, through those relationships and connecting and talking and letting them know, like, hey, we have the, you know, the wherewithal to provide for this event, they were agreed and then say, hey, man, something happens, like, are you the bros? Like, yeah, yeah. Oh man, so it went from there, and then, and so Drake hopped on the phone and everything's like, you know what, y'all guys are talking to us, let's make it happen. So we brought him down all the way from Canada. Man, we said, you know what, we'll make it even better. You know, Atlanta, Georgia is about two hours away. So if we can make sure you have a show there, it'll make it. Hey, it's a two stop. So now you're in Statesboro, Georgia Southern University, and then the next day you can go to Atlanta and perform. And so another entity came in and, you know, uh, curated that Atlanta, Georgia event. But, hey, it worked out for them. 
So they flew in, came down. Man, it was an amazing event. Packed out. Man, we made good money. And uh, But the biggest <laughs> thing is like those relationships. And so we also have an ongoing joke, though, with uh, CJ. I'm like, every time I talk to CJ, I'm like, you remember that promise Jersey made? You know, and then I talked to Jersey. I'm like, I'm like, bro, you remember that promise, right? And so the promise was he had made on stage, like, you know, I love you guys. I promise I'm gonna come back and do another show at Georgia Southern. So I always just say, like, remember that promise, right? Remember that promise? But he, they all just laugh it off. But you know, maybe time would, who knows? Time would tell. Maybe we can go back down there, do the big stadium. Right. You know? Hey, who He's knows? Paulson. I can see him being right. Paulson. Oh, it definitely has to be Paulson. Yeah, Paulson. Sure. So what was that? That was what May of '09. So, yeah, that was May 2009. Yeah, I remember. Mm -hmm. What does Curtis J do now? So, young Kurt did, you know, snow cones. High school Kurt did a distribution company internationally in, you know, out of Korea. College Kurt ended up joining a fraternity, ended up starting an entertainment company, promoting parties, artists, another distribution platform. So, now what does grown Kurt do? So, now... I like how you say that, grown Kurt. Uh, pretty much I just merged two loves. So I call it music and money. Mm -hmm. So what happens is that, you know, as you get more success, we said, hey, at the same time we're talented, we turned our entertainment company into an entertainment holding firm. And so now that gave us the opportunity to, for people that's been with us so long, hey, now you have the opportunity now to run on your own entity within our entity. Makes sense? And so what that did for me, though, it put me even more behind the scenes. So really my day-to-day -day with our holding firm, I just focus on all our contract negotiations and um, publishing deals. So that's my, my go-to. And of course, I have a little bit of management responsibilities, just one of our artists and songwriters, just because we've been together for so long. And we got some amazing things coming up with him too. Um, shout out to Miguel Fresco. So um, at the same time, with me being behind the scenes, you know, now I'm dealing with a lot of your high-paying artists, your executives, you know, actually being there shoulder to shoulder with them. And what I've noticed is that there are no 65-year-old rappers, 65-year-old artists. So what happens to them? Because I'm seeing is like, guess what? The money comes in, then the money goes right back out. And many people don't realize that most artists' careers and musicians' careers, they're short-lived. They average about three years. So once you're hot for a while, once your beats are hot for a while, after that, they move on. Your song's not hot, people move on. So it's always a struggle to try to stay relevant, try to stay hot. So most people last about three years. But guess what? You develop an ego within those three years. You develop a, a lifestyle. You feel like though you made it. So you acquired all these liabilities, but now when the money starts getting short, people not booking as much for shows, your royalty, your mechanical royalty is not coming in as much. Um, so now it's like, well, who gonna pay the property taxes on all these houses I have for myself, for my mom, you know, for my family? Who's gonna pay to have these cars repaired? You know, things of that nature. So it's like, man, and you can't go get a regular job now because you're superstar such and such, you're super producer such and such. So I started seeing that behind the scenes, like, man, that sucks. Literally, some people, some individuals' favorite artists, I know they have to take out personal loans to have clothing and jewelry to go to these award shows because you still have to look like something. Yeah. And that's the thing about it. It's like you have to look like something, like you're still going. So it, it sucks. Um, and so I'm sitting here. I'm like, man, I'm educated. I got two degrees, and I can't even help them out. Yeah. And so my business mind kicked in again because whenever there's problems, there's also opportunity. And so I'm like, well, wait a minute. If we can help them manage their money, that will bring in more money to our situation. And so we always have these uh, yearly meetings at the top of the year. All right, we sit down, we discuss goals for the year. We also discuss goals for the next four or five years because you always got to be forward thinking, correct? Mm -hmm. And so we say, you know what, we want to focus on individual brands because we're still young. I was like, what if we can, you know, bring it in superstar power, which each individual brand, but still had it all feed back into the mother load, right? Yeah. And so we said, okay, great. So with Genius, we said, Genius said, I want to be a superstar DJ. I want to travel the world, travel for artists. We're like, okay, we're going to focus on that. And on my end, personally, it was like, well, you know what? I think I want to help these artists with money. I can be like known as like the money man because there's no one in the entertainment world, period, talking about money to these artists. And then again, I think I can help a lot of pe more people with money. And so that's what we decided. 
And so when I was doing my research about that financial world, you know, of course, I'm big on relationships again. Yeah. I was like, who knows who I can go talk to? How can I skip some steps? So I was introduced to some people who I now they turn to mentors as well. I found the amazing platforms that worked for me because I'm not a worker. I can't work for somebody like that, like sit behind somebody's desk. That's not me. Why? It just wasn't instilled in me because I know with my passion, my focus, I'm I'm worth more than $50,000 a year. Not saying it's bad for anybody, just for me personally, okay? And I know I have so much more to give. So I'm like, okay, great. And that's what, if you look at a typical industry, that's like, well, you want to be a financial advisor? You can have this nice desk and office and we'll have our clients. I'm like, really? That's customer service to me. And I'm not about that. And so I had to go the independent route. So I have, you know, with partners, we form our own financial firm, uh, all the licensing as well. And so now I get to merge the two worlds. I can do what I want to do, which is called music and money. So now I manage a lot of artists and producers' money. I educate them on how money works. If I'm getting them a pub deal for a quarter million dollars, well, guess what? I'm selling them already. I'm not giving you all of this money. I'm going to take about 60 to 7 grand of this, and now make sure you have income for life because that's what's really going to keep you going. Yeah. You know, then also I actually experienced a close death in my family. Around that same year, we made that decision. And in my mind, I'm thinking that, you know, when someone close dies in your family, you're yeah. supposed to do it like appreciate the individual's life, appreciate they brought to your family. I don't know about yours, Maria, but mine was totally different. It was a lot of arguing, bigger than fight. It's like, well, you know what? You make this much, you need to buy the headstone, but we wanted to say this. And, or we had a family home. It was like, well, if everybody can contribute to the family mortgage, we're going to lose the home. And guess what happened? We lost the home. Oh, no. And then it got real bad. It was like, well, if she can't contribute to the flower, flowers, her name's not going in the program. I'm like, ooh. So I'm like, you know what? Still, it clicked again. I'm like, ding, ding, ding. I'm educated, two degrees. My family's arguing about money. I'm dealing with all these artists and executives and producers, and they're fussing and, and having issues with money. And then, you know, it clicked in my head, too. I was like, ding, 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 financial education. That's the key. Because literally, if we're being honest with this interview, you ever met that person where, or you know a person where they make, quote, unquote, good money, or they're making a lot of money, so they start feeling themselves? Yep. Yeah, that was me, just being honest. I was feeling myself. I was never cocky. But I'm like, can't nobody tell me nothing about money. What you talk about? But like I said, I'm always big on relationships and mentorship. And so one of my mentors told me, he said, hey, you know what, Curtis? You're doing okay for yourself right now. But and you're making good money. He's called me like, quote, unquote, good money. But when it comes down to managing it and preserving that money, what are you going to do? And I was like, uh, I was like, I don't know. So when he sat me down with uh, some of his individuals and they showed me some things, I'm like, what in the world? That's what people do with money? That's how it really works? That, what, what is that avenue? Why nobody know about this? I'm like, wow. So I'm like, you trying to tell me for the masses, they get sold this cookie cutter stuff. But really, that's not really how money works and what a lot of people are doing. And then I realized like a lot of people are not out here hustling and struggling. People are, are jolly. So I'm like, you know what? I need to bring this to to everybody especially like my family, you know, my peers and things of that nature. So, hey, I was able to merge two worlds, music and money, make it cool. You know what, there was a rapper, right? When I was eating, eating, uh, I was a pescatarian at the time, and I was at the Atlanta Fish Market. Remember, you know, mm -hmm. the fish market off, off far, I think. Okay. And I saw a rapper who had a, a hit like six years ago, featured an artist that ended up blowing up more than he did. Yeah. I ain't gonna say his name because I don't wanna be mean. But he ain't he ain't really on the radio like that no more. He fell off. And I remember I went out there and we went to the valet and we seen dude pull up at the valet. You know, at the valet at the fish market, you have to drive and let them, you know, park your car. He get out the valet and go to the restaurant. So I asked the person I was with my date, I was like, Yo, that's Joe, that's so and so. He was like, Yeah, I said, well, What did he doing up here? He said, Working, probably going in into work. And I said, Oh, that's that's shady. No. God, that's shady. But the dude look like money. I don't know if he back in the streets or what, but it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, for somebody to fall off and then have all this, I want, I wonder, when you said that, I was like, I wonder if that's image or if that's really, if that's really what it is. And then when you think about a lot of the rappers that we're hearing about now, they're like 55, 58 plus, and we're having to do GoFundMes mm -hmm. to take care of medical expenses, and it's it's really sad. It's it really, really sad. is sad. It's trust me, it's And sad. then all of the behind the musics, all of the unsung episodes, all of the interviews that you see where people getting screwed out of a publishing or they're getting um, 
or the, or they didn't know how to manage their money, and then you know they have it. And like even Shanice, Shanice did an unsung, and she lost it, and she basically had to leave. They had to go to an extended stay motel, and I was like, wow, I really feel for her. Mm-hmm. It just makes you wonder, like, where were the Curtis J's when they was in their careers? No. That's really, it's like, wow, you need more people like that to help you, you know, guide your money. Definitely. But one thing I keep noticing that you keep saying is initially it was distribution, but now I'm hearing about relationships. Mm-hmm. So for people who do not know how to build or maintain relationships. How would, what, what advice would you give them? Just do it. And so here's why I say just do it. So sometimes, a lot of days, we have so much information available to us. So we get into the habit of just consuming, 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 consuming. More information, more information. We're typing in Google. We think it's like whatever articles come up is golden. And we, so we try to say, well, we can't do something until we know this. We can't do something until you know that. And it's so much information you take in, now you're stagnant and you're stuck, right? So let's just genuinely just say, take a step back and say, hey, if you want to build a relationship, go talk to that person. Reach out. And so that's what I had to do. I still do it now. But here's the thing you can never fake. Fake, I tell people, that's presence and essence. So you think about this here. Outside of money, outside of talents, we're all people. We're all individuals. We breathe in the same air, we smile, we laugh, we use the bathroom the same, etc. correct? Mm-hmm. So at the same time, we all have feelings, we're all normal. So if we take away all the stigmatisms that media or Hollywood has put on things like, oh, if that person has money, you can't talk to them until you have that type of money. That's not true. Who made that up? Oh, that person's, you know, this color, that color, you can't talk to them. Like, who, who's made that up? So therefore, you got to just do it. So that means overcoming the fear. Overcome that, that little voice in your mind that's telling you, like, you're inadequate. You can't talk to them. You're not at a certain point. Just reach out. And you will find that, hey, if you reach out professionally, you know, coming from a good place, they'll respond back. Now, if you come to that person, like, you feel as though they owe you something, now, now no, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to hear you. Because people have their own lives, too. So when I say about relationships, like, say, for instance, take, for instance, um, in the uh, financial world with me. I didn't know anything about the financial world. I knew I wanted to be in it. I knew I could make an impact, but I needed to know how to. So, and who were the major players? So, with that being said, I'm like, hey, I put myself, I looked online. I said, hey, what are some networking events that deal in the financial space? I looked at my, my phone. I called up individuals. Hey, how's it going? Hey, do you know anybody in the financial arena that you highly respect? Yeah, I do. Okay, great. So, I know what I did. I leveraged a current relationship to get into another relationship through introduction so that's how I really got started I'm like okay great you know that person do you mind you think enough of me to introduce me to that person so notice I had what just do it but you have to be yourself because guess what when you ask that person do you think enough of me that comes back down to your character so my character always preceded me and it's like hey yeah you're a good genuine person so now that allowed me to easily get into other relationships and just and hey our relationship farm I call it boop Boop, 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 boop. Just kept on going. So that's why I tell people, like, hey, you know what? You want a relationship? Just do it. You want to reach out to Diddy? Do it. Keep doing it because guess what? But now understand this here. You have to have a drive to want to reach out to him. Because now if you're just on social media and you just say, look at his Instagram, oh, I'm just going to comment. Hey, can we talk? That's not reaching out. That's not really trying to establish a relationship. But now if you're thinking about it, really. Really, it's like, okay, if I do my research, I do my homework, I put in the work, now, in my mind, I deserve to meet with him. And when I say put in the homework, it's like, okay, where does he go to eat? Or who's his stylist? Or who cuts his hair? Okay, great. So now you go to them, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. I know you have a relationship, this and this and that. This is what I've done already. So now you're establishing what credibility as well. Build a relationship with them and say, yeah, now I can leverage your relationship to get to Diddy. Does that make sense? Versus like, you can't just tell yourself, oh, I just commented it and he didn't respond. Yeah. So I got to do it on my own. Now you got a chip on your shoulder for no reason. Yeah, you feel like somebody owes you something. Right, right. So I think it's more so about not trying to finesse. I know we're like in the age of finessing and scamming and, you know, trying to take shortcuts. It's just really about being genuine with your intentions and following through on that. Exactly. Putting the work to actually denote and garner that, that conversation. I respect that. But um, going backwards really quick, how did you know, even as a young one, that business was for you? It seems like you knew your passion pretty early and you were like, yo, I don't want to work for nobody. I want to work for myself. How did you know that as a, as a young child? I realized working for myself 
I realized working for myself, I didn't have to hear the word no and actually settle for it. Wow. Because, like I told you, my dad used to tell me no, no, no. I was like, you know what? I don't like that word. And I don't want to settle for it. So what I do? I go and garner and generate my own money so now I can go buy that video game if I wanted to. But you have to understand, most people, they hear the word no, and they now it's preconditioned in their mind. It's like, well, that's it. And so they settle. And so with me having the opportunity, too, to go from Augusta, Georgia, to now living overseas, you know, living in Hawaii, you know, being around different cultures, seeing different things, now my mind is expanded. So I think a lot bigger, too. So when you put me back down in a smaller city like Augusta or then come to Atlanta, I just see opportunity because guess what? It's like, well, wait a minute. I can be anybody who I want to be in this world. I can go to Korea and guess what? I can be a whole different person. Yeah. Or what if I can get a dollar from each person in Korea? Oh, man, I'd be a trillionaire. Yeah. So now I think the same way I come back down to Augusta, I'm like, what if I can get $2 out of 100 people, 500 people? Then I can do what I want to do. So now if you tell me, hey, no, in business, I don't care what I'm selling. I can be selling some Chick-fil-A nuggets. Guess what? Somebody's going to tell me no, right? Yeah. Still going to tell me no. You don't try to do it for free. Hey, want some free Chick-fil-A nuggets? No, no, no. Hey, want some a dollar Chick-fil-A nuggets? No, no. But guess what? Somebody's going to say yes. So then another person's going to say yes, and yes, and yes, and yes. So I focus on all the yeses. All the noes, I think, I just get happy. And so whoever's listening on here, if you're a business owner or you think about business and you're afraid of the word no, think about it like this. Here, I tell my team this here as well. Every time you hear a no, you're just getting closer to a yes. All right? So appreciate all the no's. So another thing, too, just play a game with yourself. I don't care what you're selling or what service you're providing. People are going to tell you no regardless, right? So now when someone tells you no, just play a game. Just like for me, I tell my team, like, whenever somebody tells me no, I just say the word fluffy in my head, like fluffy, because it just makes me laugh. Like <laughs> to me, it's like whatever. <laughs> so, so every single time, it's like, hey, you know what? I'd love to sit down with you and educate you on your finances. Let me know it's a good time. No, thank you, fluffy. I think in my head, like whatever. Or it's like, hey, you know what? We would love to sit down and talk about you know possible distribution or maybe getting a pub deal for this particular artist or situation. It's like, no, we're not interested. I'm like, okay, fluffy. Because at the end of the day, it's like, guess what? I don't have to settle. Yeah. I'm just going to go around you and find somebody else going to say yes. I like that answer. I got to figure out what's a word that I laugh at. That, I, I despise the word yummy. I don't know why. It's just, it's like yummy. I just don't, I don't like it. <laughs> Maybe that's going to be my, my mind hack. No, I don't want to interview. Yummy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. See how it makes you, yeah. you know, it changes your mindset all the way. Nope. Right. I feel that. Okay. So let's say you have a listener out here who may not have been 13 years old or even 20 years old or even 25 year old, uh, years old knowing that they want to get in business. Let's say that they may feel like their time has passed and that it's too late to get in business because you know how society do. We always make it seem like if you ain't did it by this point, you might as well not even do it. So for those who might be late to realizing that they want to be an entrepreneur, be in business, what advice would you give to them? Is it about intuition, education, both or what? It's about desire and drive. Forget about what society says. You have to understand society has a system and the system is in place to control the masses, okay? So you have to understand all the naysayers and, and people placing time limits on you, they're part of that system, they're stuck. They've accepted that system. And also people are always gonna tell you how to do something who've never done it, okay? So therefore you gotta get away from those people as well. So now you have to think about, well, I don't care if you're 50 years old, 60 years old, time is what you make it, all right? Time is truly what you make it. Who cares about age and things of that nature? So I would tell you, hey, focus on the focus. If you want to create, you know, I don't know, a new line of jeans, make it happen. Who cares how old you are? If you want to model, make it happen. Who cares if they tell you like, well, we don't like models to be 18 and 18 to 20 if outside of, who cares? You create your own lane, but you have to want to have that drive. See, one thing about it, I hear a lot of people come to me with their great ideas, their great visions, but what? They have fear, they have doubt from themselves and outside people, and they don't have the drive to no matter what make it happen. And I can't give them drive. 
I can't give that to you. I can talk to you, listen to these podcasts, but I can't give you that one thing that's called drive to go and make it happen. So when someone tells you, hey, you know what, you don't have time, uh, it's too late, forget that. Look at, look at uh, I forgot his name, but he created a recipe for KFC, right? Colonel Sanders. Colonel Sanders. Look how, also, I want you guys to go and research and look how old he was before his recipe was even funded. And how many times he was told no. His hair was probably already great, huh? Already. <laughs> you think about this too, okay. You probably don't ever realize this because sometimes these people sit on their couch and they flip through channels, right? But now I want you to shift your guys' mindset. When you're sitting on a couch and you're flipping channels, everybody that you see from the actors, the main actors, secondary actors, the, the help, the extras, all of them are doing something to get ahead. They had to do something to be in position. They had to fill out some type of paperwork. They had to be told no to get to the point where now you're sitting on your couch watching them getting closer to their, their goals and dreams or living out their goals and dreams. So at the same time, it's like, what about those older people you see in the, the TV shows and the movies? Were they too old? No, they're right on time. So no matter what, once your mind arrives, you know, you're right on time. Right on time. So everyone out there, forget the time. The time is right now. You're right on time. Okay, you dropping jewels today. Okay, just just don't charge me after we're done with the interview, you know, because I'm on a budget. But um, but how did you deal with adversity? I know we're talking about the you know direct no's, but I remember that adversity when y'all first started at um in college with HAG. I remember that, and I didn't know about the adversity when y'all moved up today. So how do you deal with adversity? How did you handle it to where people can t take from that experience and say, you know what, that's probably something that I could probably put in my in my toolbox okay. yeah so adversity is going to strike whenever you're trying to do something great adversity is going to strike it's going to come in it's going to try to beat you up try to stop you but just know once you hit adversity you know you're on the right path okay so one thing you have to develop especially in business in life is mental toughness you have to keep pushing forward and nothing as well that help you with that mental toughness is understanding your end goal so what I tell people all the time is that you have to begin with the end in mind, all right? So if you're not clear on the end goal, any type of adversity is going to throw you off the track. It's going to throw you off, no matter what. So say, for instance, say for instance we're playing football, and we're running the ball, but we're not keeping score. Who's going to keep playing? No one, because we're not keeping score. We don't know what's the end goal. It's like, what are we doing? So now for a person who's not clear on their goals, oh, I want to sell candles, okay? What type of candle? Do you want to be a candle maker? Do you want to distribute it to, you know, little kids, or, you know, stores? What's the end goal? No, I just want to make candles and see how it goes. I'm just a small business owner. You see, all that already, you've limited yourself. So now any type of adversity comes in because you're not clearing your goals, the end goal in mind, you're going to get knocked off, derailed. Oh, well, you know what? Candles will. Ain't nobody going to buy no candles, girl. <laughs> Boom, adversity. Now you're like, oh. Ain't, don't nobody want to do that. Oh, you should just go and do this. Oh, yeah. Oh, we don't. We're not going to carry your products. Oh, you see. So now it's like, but you did candles because you wanted to, you know, provide for cancer patients and give them a light. You know, give them a smell. Da 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 da. What about them now? Yeah. See, you didn't know why you started. You didn't know what the end goal was. So now, when people who don't even care about what you have going on come and say anything or or close the door in your face, now you want to stop and give up. Because you're not clear. So, like I said, begin with the end in mind. Have a clear why as to why you're doing it because that's going to keep you going. And, and make sure you develop that mental toughness. Mental toughness. Because think about all the lives that you're going to change and affect as long as you don't stop. Don't stop. Because this like correlated with me as well. I went to the financial arena. You know how people told me, like, people are not going to listen to you about no money. Everybody good with money. Man, we good over here. We straight. You know, you know. Money too too personal, bro. Anybody gonna talk to you about that? I'm like, I hear you, but I don't hear you. Because you know what? I'm doing money because guess what? People need help. I'm looking at the numbers. I see the hurt. I know what I've experienced. I see what's going on. So I had that mental toughness to hear you, but not listen. Yeah. And so you know what? Now I think about all the families I helped, all the families I'm able to, to be able to send their kids to school off a little bit of money. Now all the people have educated as well, all the people we put in position we have income for life. None of those people would have been helped if I stopped. Wow. Okay. So let's say that we are trying to do our things in terms of not even necessarily just business, but just goals. And let's say we made mistakes. And you know how sometimes people let mistakes kind of dictate their path. And rather than learn and move forward, they kind of just 
freeze up and they stay stuck in a particular you know mindset or place because they can't just let it go what advice would you give to people in terms of getting over those mistakes and moving forward well let me give you an example so say for instance everybody pretty much drives correct so say for instance i'm in the car okay i have my windshield and i also have my rear view mirror correct mm -hmm. so your rear view mirror that's like your past it's in the past for a reason all right now if i put my foot on the gas and the brake at the same time how far can i go okay. can't right yep. okay but everyone wants to go forward all right so tape say for instance now i have my foot on the gas but i'm stuck looking in the rear view mirror i'm going to crash so now i tell people all the time like the rear view mirrors to make you understand where you're from don't forget it but learn from those experience but you see this big windshield in front of you that's why it's bigger because you see the bigger picture, this is where you're going forward. So keep that foot on the gas and go forward. All right? So what I tell people, like, you know what? Think about this here. Yes, your past is your past. It's done. It's over with. Every day is a brand new day. You can get up and create the life you want. You can create your own reality. Don't allow other people to, to dictate who you are. So I tell people, you were born, you know, an original here. Don't, want, don't die a copy. Right. Because the last thing you want to do is be on your deathbed with regrets. So I talk to a lot of older individuals. I have a lot of older clients. So I get a lot of, you know, wisdom. And one of the things that, a thing, common thing is that I wish I would have. I wish I would have, you know, take, been more proactive with my finances. I wish I would have done this and become a ballerina. I wish I would have. And I ask them, well, why didn't you? My mother didn't want me or my friends really didn't support me, this, this and that. And, and that's a common thing throughout generations. Because even now with the young generation, it's like, well, I want to do this, but my friends, you know, they don't, well, they're really not your friends. Well, my friends, they don't, I'm like, they're not your friends. They were part of your past. They were here for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Right. And right now, that circle of friends, they're there for a reason. Right. Maybe it was for you to get to the point to where you're at right now to think this, the mindset you're thinking, and now you need to lead them along and move on right. and move forward. Point blank, period. But sometimes people have that connection where they're like, they don't want to leave people behind. And so they got to settle. And that's what most people do. They settle because they're afraid of going outside of their comfort zone. That's some knowledge. You're kicking some knowledge today. I think there's a lot of people that can relate to the story in, in terms of, I mean, because we all are, trying to figure this stuff out you know one day at a time one lesson at a time i think right. some of us do get hung up on what could have been should have been instead of what can be right you know so i i, I love that answer actually yeah, what can be what can be so i noticed on instagram i you know because i scroll every now and then i noticed that you're doing something in vegas you're doing a workshop mm -hmm. okay so what is this workshop because i've seen you do this a lot across the country but were you in philly correct then you did it up here mm -hmm. and i feel like you've been traveling so what are these workshops that you're doing? Okay, so here's the thing. I have a distribution mind. So I also have an entertainment mind. Mm -hmm. And so at the same time, I can't just be a financial guy, sit behind a desk, helping clients come in. No, I have to be out and about. You know, I have to spread this education because I know, guess what? Everybody's not gonna take advantage of it, but some people will. Yeah. But I have to put in the work and say, hey, let me spread it in a big environment. So with the coming from entertainment, I'm thinking that, well, guess what? If I promote and put out flyers, you know, 5,000 flyers, are 5,000 people going to show up? No. But guess what? About 200 will, 250 will. And so now, those people that want to win. So I apply the same concept to entertainment with my, I mean, my uh, financial, with my events. So, okay, great. I'll partner with entities. We'll put out flyers, put out promotions. The people who want to win, those people will show up. And I focus on those people that want to show up, not other people who want to sit on the couch and watch, right? And so I get, now I get the opportunity to spread more education. And so more education being spread, now it's kind of like a reach one, teach one. And then I can sit down with the one-on-one -on -one and help them out, help their family out. So it's like an ego effect. But also at the same time, with these events, that's what I want to do them because who else is coming to you talking about money? Like genuinely talking about money. Yeah. So I come in these workshops like, hey, let me genuinely talk about money. Let me tell you, you know, all the tips of the trade and stuff I put in sweat equity for to learn. I built hardcore relationships to learn. I don't care. I'm gonna add value because guess what? Only a certain of you are gonna apply it anyway. Yeah. And I'm not afraid to give it away because guess what? I'm good. I'm straight. Because at the same time, you can't have all the money in the world. 
So I want to be remembered. And so in order for you to be remembered, people need to be able to say your name and tell what you helped them with, what you contributed to them. And so I, I model off of great leaders. You know, one of our great leaders is, is Dr. King. Yeah. So think about it. He started a movement, correct? Mm -hmm. But he didn't do it by himself. Right. So he had multiple people in multiple areas all on the same focus, goal, working together. Yeah. So they organized people for him the way he came and talked. But he had the confidence and the vision. So when people talk about him, it's like, well, this is what he did for us. This is what he did for me, my family. So at the same time now, it's like, guess what? I can be that same, you know, aspect. I don't want to be forgotten, so I want to be remembered. But people don't remember those who did something for them. If I'm only just stuck behind a desk and happy with making a hundred grand a year, talking to a little client base, and I'm so professional and walking around feeling myself, it's like what? I'm not thinking about, you know, the. I'm thinking about what's a possibility. What's more? What's more? And you want to know it's funny? At the same time, I'm thinking about distribution. So in those cities that I go to. I'm also looking for leaders that I can partner with yeah. because now there's an opportunity for me to open another office. So if I open another office in those cities, now I have more opportunity to help more people in that area, in that environment. I'm still a businessman at the same time. Yeah. So now I can now spread more education and disseminate more resources through that area so more people are getting help because I really want to spread financial education, you know, wealth um, advising and wealth principles. So I can't do it by myself. I have to have multiple leaders at work. So that's when I fly around to these different workshops. You know, I'm being brought in. I'm doing it myself, and I'm partnering with people to spread the education. And then some people say, hey, I love what you're doing. How can I learn? How can I partner? Seriously? Okay, great. You find those key leaders, and you run with them. Now I got an office there. Right. And How many I'm offices do you have? So I have three right now. Where? Where are they? So right here in Atlanta, Georgia is my main. Uh -huh. And also I have one in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, in Colorado. And then my next is, is uh, going to be Augusta, Georgia. So I'm already got to go back home and get back. Yay, you're like you all know. across the country. So it's, yeah, it's not stopping. So it's not just me, you know. Uh, but of course, online and social media, I'm going to highlight me. Yeah. Because I need to have a keen focus. Because at the same time, I want to inspire, you know, educate and motivate generations. And I understand in business, people will buy you before they buy anything else. You're right. For sure. So, see, I apply the same principles, you know, business, from entertainment to the money game as well. But I want to make sure we help people, you know, genuinely help people, not try to get over on them or do this and that. Like, look, man, I'm here to help you. If you want to be helped, great. If you don't, great. I see you at the top. Right. Now, from an energetic level, because, you know, the show is about bettering self and spirit one episode at a time. Um, how does it feel to know that you're moving in your purpose and you're happy? It looks like you're happy mm -hmm. with your purpose and you work so hard and you're educating the masses, you know, one workshop at a time or one artist at a time, you know what I mean? Like one deal or contract at a time. Mm -hmm. How does that feel for you knowing that you're standing in your purpose and you, you know, you're making moves within that and helping people? You know, it's really an amazing feeling. Like I sit back in the mornings, I wake up every morning excited because I'm thinking about like, I get an opportunity to change lives every single day I wake up. I get an opportunity to better myself every single day I wake up. And so just being honest with you, you know, and I was able to find my purpose early on than others. But I tell you, never, never compare because I put in a lot of work to understand my purpose. Like yeah. it was consistent. And so literally years ago, I said, you know what? I'm talented. Maria, I'm so talented. But I'm being spread thin. I'm over here. People want me to do this. People want to write a business plan. People want to do that. And I, I can do all of it. But it, And I was trying to do all of it because I was chasing money. Yeah. Because that's what I was taught. Get money, get money. But I was like, you know what? I literally had a time where I just broke down. You know, I had that, had that good cry. Yes. It's like, I just had that good cry. I was like, is. man, what's going on? And I said, you know what? I need to just focus on, you know, the end goal. What do I truly want to remember for? I want to remember for inspiring generations. It's educating millions. So how can I most effectively do that? I said, like, okay, great. I focus on two loves. I love talking about money. I love talking about music. I love entertainment. So that's what I came up with, music and money. And so I literally I wrote that down, and I wrote it big on my wall, music and money. And so what I said to myself, I cut off everything else that did not deal with music or money. And I said to myself, I'm going to lose a lot of money. But at the same time, I gained a lot of money because now my focus was directed. My purpose was directed. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I said, you know what? 
I can help my people, I can help millions more really talking about money than I ever can talking just about the music business. But at the same time, I still speak two universal languages, yeah. money and music. So I was like, no one else is in that lane. It's unique, it's creative. Everything I've done to this point has got me to this point. It's like, wow, I can talk two languages now. Music and money, no one else is there. you know. And everything leads back to the money. No matter what a person do in the world, coming down to the money. And then with the music, I don't care if you can speak Spanish. If I put on this Michael Jackson song, you're grooving. Yeah. Great. So I just incorporate that too with my music. And, and so I just found that, you know what? It's not really about the money when you have purpose. The money is gonna come regardless. Right. And so that's just an exhilarating feeling, like being able to get up like, man, that's amazing. And so nothing really phases me, you know, when adversity and things, it's just like, okay, it's a part of life. Yeah. Let's just keep going, pushing forward. It's an experience. This is amazing. Man. So I know you do workshops. What are some upcoming um, workshops that you have going on in the area? for those who are in Atlanta or the state of Georgia? Okay, so here in Atlanta, um, I actually have a, a big workshop coming up on August 30th. It's a, it's a Wednesday, so it's gonna be from seven to 9 p.m., so after people get off work. And the topic is gonna be their money or your money. <laughs> and so, you know, it's really creative. It's gonna be a, a great conversation because really I'm telling people, you know, how you, how you can take your cash now and how you can create wealth for later that also establishes legacy forever. Right. And so that's gonna be our topic, you know, their money or your money. So that's coming up, like I said, uh, Wednesday, August 30th at 7 p.m. And I'm actually hosting it here uh, at my office at the Lincoln Center uh, here in Atlanta, Georgia. And have you been back to Georgia Southern since, since everything? Man, you know what? That is a good question. So actually, uh, next month, uh, September, uh, September 26th, I'll actually, they're actually bringing me down. The school is bringing me down on um, September 26th, and I'll actually be uh, talking to an entire college of business. So, and I will really be, my topic is talking about, you know, how do you take your passion and turn it into a career? And so since I took my passions of music and money, um, that's what I'll be talking on, on my story on how that progressed, but also giving people the hows. And, and the tips on how they can turn that passion into a career because you know not just good for me to get up there and say hey this is how I did it this is me 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 but no people need to know the how so they can correlate that into what they're passionate about and turn that into a career so that's gonna be really, really exciting so Georgia Southern University Tuesday September 26 uh, 2 30 p.m. it's gonna be amazing and also I have some friends I reached out to um, on a sponsorship in on a major national sponsorship in that are actually going to be providing some sponsorships, so that's going to be exciting as well. Yay! I'm so proud of you. From honestly, from like just friends to fellow ego, like I really am proud of you, Kurt. So, is there anything else that you want us to know before we wrap it up? Definitely, I'm just getting started. I am just getting started, and that's the things that it scares me, but it excites me at the same time. So, one thing also as well is that you know what. The person I am today wasn't the same person six, seven years ago. Yeah. So I really, in doing all this as well, one key element that's helped me outside of my relationships is actually committing to personal um, growth and development. And that's what I realized a long time ago is that many people you know, set these amazing goals, big goals they want to achieve. But if you notice, a lot of people never achieve the goals they set. Why is that? One, a lot of people never taught how to set and achieve goals. But another aspect is that Many people, you know, they don't look at themselves. So they don't want to go through the growth and development. And it's that little missing piece in between their goals and actually achieving their goals called growth and development that they like to skip over. Because the person you are today is not going to be that same person that accomplishes all your big, amazing goals and dreams. So if a person can commit themselves to personal growth and development, you'll see tremendous strides. Like, you know how many times I read two books a month, like big books, you know, on, on just personal growth and development. How can I get better? How can I be a better leader? You know, how can I communicate more effectively? Because at the same time, if we're not learning, we're dying. And we have, our brains have a capacity to do so much more. Think about all these major inventions that we have going on right now. Those are created by the same minds, the person that's breathed the same just as you. But why are we doing it? Because the system is stifling you. 
The system tells you you're only your third grade teacher. The system tells you you're only your pilot. The system tells you you can only be a blogger. But as you know, Maria, you're not just a blogger. Right. So therefore, you create your reality. You live in your purpose. You walk in your purpose. And every day will be sunshine. Love it. Love it. Okay, so how can people get in touch with you? Okay, so definitely. So on social media, I'm very active on uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram. So if you're on Instagram, uh, my tagline is, is that called a tagline? Or my at is. Your at. My at is uh, Real Curtis J. That's with the letter J. And on Facebook, you can find me at uh, The Curtis J. Or just Curtis J. Williams, and I will pop up. So definitely reach out to me. Don't be a stranger. I'm a cool country kid from Augusta, Georgia. Hit me up. <laughs> Bet. And that was this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed hearing about Kurt's journey from, you know, young boy entrepreneur, teenage entrepreneur, and, you know, big boy grown man entrepreneur. So I'm really proud of him and his success. Um, I'm open to all feedback. For um, this episode, feel free to hit me at spiritualhomegirl.com. You can hit me on Instagram and Facebook at spiritualhomegirl. I'm on Twitter and Pinterest as well at spirithomegirl. Um, I love hearing feedback and thank you all for listening. It would not be an episode of the Spiritual Homegirl podcast without me giving you a note of gratitude. Out of all these tens of thousands of podcasts out there to listen to in podcast land, you choose to listen to mine and it does mean the world to me. It really does. So with that being said... I want to continue being consistent with something new that I'm doing called the homeboy or the homegirl of the week. And this week's homegirl of the week is Athena Renee. She is a songwriter. She's a singer. Um, she plays instruments. She's just an all-around creative, an all-around artist. She just recently released um, her video for her latest single for her Chakra series that she's doing. It's basically a project that focuses a song on all of the energy centers or the major energy centers um, in our field. So I'm really excited for her and her journey. Um, I know she's out there in LA and I'm excited for the release of this project. There is a video in a song out called Red Root that I really love and I hope you guys check it out. It's on iTunes um, as well as other streaming platforms. But her song title for Red Root is called Everything's Alright. And I know for some of you who are familiar with chakras, that deals with our ability to feel secure and feel stable in where we are. So Athena's really an inspirational um, person. I've been following her journey for years now and I'm really proud of her. And she supported me with Spiritual Homegirl. So thank you, Athena. I really appreciate that. So that's our Homegirl of the Week. So that is it, y'all. We are done for today. Um, tune in next week as we will have another guest on the Spiritual Homegirl podcast. And remember, trust the journey and trust yourself. Peace. Stay clear. Stay clear. Out my way. Out my way. Keep them problems in the past we had in yesterday. God bless you. God bless you. And your loved ones. Be thankful where you at. Don't forget where you come from. I'm talking no regrets See the past and past us by And the future's on the horizon But right now is where we live life Ain't no rejects All you have to do is believe Just asking you receive Everything is meant to be